0: Maybe me look a right cunt.
1: This is Arse cast Extra. Hello there, welcome to another Arscast Extra. As always, we're James from Gunner Blog. I don't know what to say to you. How are you?
0: I'm all right. Look, I think we're all looking for something to cling on to here. I can't believe it. I've just logged on to my Twitter and I've seen a message there from, of all people, Hartley's Jam. Hartley's Jam have just tweeted saying it's International Day of Happiness. Time to be positive and brilliant. And then a little picture saying be brilliant, be positive with the Hartley's logo underneath. If that's not a sign, I don't know what is.
1: Well, look, I, you know, to be fair, that has said pretty much everything that needs to be said. I don't know why we're going to bother with the rest of this podcast. Just Should we call it a day? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Thank you, as always, for listening. Uh, We'll be back next week. Be positive, be brilliant. That's it. That's it. I mean, it's the mantra that we should all be working under. It just seems a bit of a shame that, you know, Arsenal don't whoa
0: that's what i was just going to come on and say that was all i had to say today be positive be brilliant and good luck with your lives this is my final podcast <laughs> uh, i i uh, renounced my of Arsenal over the weekend i'll be entering retirement
1: now. oh look um, if only it was that easy we can't do that that is the thing isn't it you know i have seen people who have said look that's it no more i can't take it anymore i'm not watching this team i just I, I can't i just no." but you know that's for me that's just not an option It you just can't you can't walk away, I guess. You know, some people are, are so disenfranchised that that's what they're going to do. But no, I, I for one, and I'm sure there are many of you out there listening, I'm a glutton for punishment. I'm just going to keep on yeah. going.
0: I know. Well, what's it been? 15 years doing the blog, something like that? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, you know, you're not the only one who's a glutton for punishment, judging by the, the back pages of the papers today. Oh, but, by But, uh, yeah, I mean, wow, where to... Where to start? I mean, it's sort of a diabolical weekend, really, in every respect. I mean, even kind of the other results sort of really didn't go our way. Do you know Everyone what I did yesterday? I...
1: Rather than sort of pay any attention to what might happen F- in the other games, yeah, football. Yeah. Uh, I drank beer and then wine. Yeah, yeah, and just didn't pay yeah, any attention. Then wine, to and then you'll any... feel fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know. that's it. Just. <sighs>
0: That, that must have helped. Uh, conversely, I don't know. I mean, again, glutton for punishment. I watched three Premier League games yesterday. I watched Manchester United win. Then I watched Tottenham win. And then I watched Liverpool and Manchester City both gain a point. I don't know what's wrong with me. Why
1: do you hate yourself I think yourself I was just so trying much?
0: to remind myself. <laughs> I, I hate myself. And I was trying to remind myself that, you know, there is another way. Fo- there is another way of playing football. Um, Maybe you need to talk to somebody about I, this. I guess so.
1: Not me now. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> well...
0: Oh, I see. I was going to say, I've got the format here. I've got the forum for it. It's very convenient. Um,
1: I was in a bar bar when the Tottenham game was on, and uh, what did they score? Inside about 10 minutes or 12 minutes? Something like that. Yeah, I was just like, oh, for fuck's sake. Just no, turning a table over. Yeah, and getting out of here and going to somewhere else where they don't show any football on the uh, on the screens. So um, yeah, where where do we start? Where do we start? I think we've got to talk about the match. We've got to talk about the West Brom game, and then we can yes. talk about we can talk about all the other stuff that's going on, or is rumored to be going on, or isn't going on. Um, whatever the case may yeah, be. Okay. So. Um, Thomas Tuchel, our new
0: manager, you mean? Yeah,
1: yeah. Is yeah. it Tuchel? Is it Tuchel? How do you pronounce it? Oh, I
0: don't actually know, to be fair. Tuchel probably, isn't it? Mm. Um, let's start with the game. Let's, start with, let's go to the Hawthorns. Mm, yeah. Bring it on. Um, I don't know. I mean, well, they've become
1: stoke, haven't they, West Brom? They have. It's, a, it's quite uncanny. A lot of fouling. Fans... Uh, getting mad at our players for getting their ankles kicked off. Um, fairly direct. Now, to be fair, I don't think they were quite as stokey as the worst stoke have ever been, but there's definitely yeah. elements of stoke to them, as you would expect under Tony Pulis. But you know what, though? Um, not that I admire it in any way, but it's not as if that that would have been any surprise to us or should have been any surprise to us. Um you know, we knew well, what doing way they, all they were season. Play. Yeah. For a start. yeah, 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 yeah. You
0: know, and uh, yeah, they. Uh, I mean, I'm can fresh. you see that I'm struggling to get my words out here today? Yeah, yeah I can. Uh, I can. What happened? Okay, so look, we picked a team that I thought was a good team to pick. I was, believe it or not, before kickoff, I was quite excited to see that team play. I thought it was a. An interesting 11. We had that 4-3-3. You know, that that had kind of been doing okay. I thought Danny Welbeck, Alexis and Walcott sounded like a a promising front Mm. 3-2. So, you know, I was feeling curious. I won't say optimistic, but curious to see how we got on. And Mm. then
1: we conceded a corner. Well, you know what was interesting about that was the corner came from... Alexis, I think it was, who gave the ball away quite cheaply in their half, in their half, 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 half of the pitch, mm. in the bit that you know they existed in for for most of the game. Um, you know, they we got cut open really easily because we were pushed so far forward. Uh, I think it was James McLean who who took a shot and Petr Cech scored the goal, and then and then we saw, you know, just uh, the goal was really really irritating and annoying. And I know they did this to death on Sky, didn't they? The the way they analyzed the goals and zonal marking and, and everything else. And Ramsey stood and watched Craig Dawson, didn't make any effort to get in his way or to challenge him. I think it was Granite Xhaka who vacated his zone uh, and there was all the space in the world for him to, to head into. And when you when you add that goal to the third goal and you look at what was said before the game by the manager about how we you know we have to be careful about them on set pieces and we have to pay attention and everything else it was you know was very very disappointing to see the players not bother their arse Uh, carry out any of the instructions. I assume there were some instructions, right? You don't just talk about, well, West Brom are good in the air from set pieces. Uh, I presume you don't just say that to the press. I assume there's been some focus on that on the training ground, right? You'd think. I think (laughs) it would be strange not. I mean, the the
0: curious thing about the whole set piece thing is that we actually have been all right, haven't we, defending corners this season. For the most part, I think we've only conceded One Premier League goal from a corner going into the West Brom game. So something, you know, has been working because that's been a vulnerable uh, area for us in the past. But Hmm. against West Brom, that just went out the window. And I think partly that's down to the quality of what they do. I mean, look, they're good deliveries, they're good runs. But when you look at it, that first goal, Dawson, who ultimately scores it, has a completely... Free run. I mean, as the corner comes in, he's literally got his hands up. He's the only man in the box free with his hands up, as if saying, like, me, me, it's my ball. And then he just runs past Ramsey, so clean and so clear. It's kind of unforgivable, really. I mean, I I, I can't explain it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not even as if he's standing there waving to say, you know, play the ball to me here. It's like, put the ball in an area where I can go and attack it. And look, you know... Ramsey's not the guy who's going to win you loads of headers in your box, but you don't have to be six foot five to make it really difficult for a, a bigger opponent to 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 get the header. Just stand in his way,
0: block him off. Do, eh. I mean, do anything. Do yeah, all that's the what stuff that other
1: teams do to us. You know, it's you know, just compete. That's the thing. Compete with the guy. At least try. Mm. It makes it much more difficult. Um, you know, to win headers. Headers are a great skill, you know. It, it looks relatively easy to, uh, to plant the ball home from close range. But, you know, if you've got a guy who's jumping with you and is all over you and is putting you off balance, it becomes much, much more difficult to do it. Much, much more difficult. It was just, it was uh, pathetic, really. That defending was absolutely pathetic. Um, and then we scored, which was nice. You had a goal. It was
0: nice. I mean, it was a good goal. It was it was kind of a goal that they uh was kind of their fault too. I mean, they left Alexis so free at the far post. It was kind of the one time their mm. defense granted us that much space, really. But having left him there was a good ball from Shaka and a, a really nice take from Alexis and a very immediate response. So at that time, yeah, you know, it felt like, oh right, okay, we've got a foothold back in this game.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We've responded. We've shown a bit of character and what have you. But I mean, the rest of the half, lots of Arsenal possession. But again, West Brom seemed to be much more threatening than we were. Um, they had some... I can't remember if they had good chance. Oh, yeah, Czech had to make a really good save, didn't he, just before he went
0: off? Really good save. Darren Fletcher, yeah. who was left free, uh, sort of in the corner of the box. And yeah, there was that McLean shot where he went clear. That it, was, it, it was the pattern of the game, really, that we had so much possession, but they certainly had the, the better chances in both halves.
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean, we were, like, sterile, I think was the word I used on, on the blog yesterday. And that is... Uh, it's just how we play, you know, lots and lots of possession, but you just pass it backwards and pass it sideways and go from one side of the pitch to the other side of the pitch. And there's no incision or no real ambition to do anything. You know, you see uh, at times, you see this Arsenal team passing the ball around and you're looking for someone to move. Like somebody make a forward run or somebody try and get between the lines and, and somebody try and find him with a pass. The only person or two people, I would say, who showed any ambition in their passing were Alexis Sanchez, who we know tries to make things happen, and Granite Xhaka, who, to his credit, a few times spread the ball wide and put us in positions where we could have perhaps attacked the fullbacks. But what happens? We get the ball in those areas, and we go backwards again, and we start that gigantic arc across the pitch and backwards and backwards, and here we go again, you know? Um, Yeah. So it's really frustrating to to watch us uh, play like that. Uh, thoughts on the challenge on Alexis Sanchez?
0: Oh, it's a bad tackle. It was a bad tackle. I mean, uh, to be honest, uh, for me, it probably was a uh, yellow rather than a red. But I, what uh, riles me is the way, and I know you talked about this on your blog, the way that... Uh, it's kind of reported and commentated on, you know, that, that thing of like a sort of healthy, good challenge. I mean, it was an ugly, ugly tackle and no surprise, really, that eventually he was kind of forced on the field by it. I thought mm. it was uh, very, very cynical. One of those where it's like the, the player must know that he, you know, he's not going to win the ball. He's going to
1: take the man. Yeah, um, Look, I, McLean so has some, true. he's got some history you know, in that regard. Yeah, exactly. You know, so I I don't think we can just put it down to a a tackle that was badly timed. He didn't care if it was that badly timed. He knew if he wasn't going to get the ball, he was going to take the man, and that was what he wanted to do, and he did that. And uh, again, you know, I'm tired of talking about the TV commentators and the pundits and everybody glossing over these bad tackles, and I really don't care whether it happens to an Arsenal player or any other player. This this, uh, focus on, well, the physicality of the game, you know, it's all part and parcel of the Rough and tumble of Premier League football. Of course, you don't want it to be like a non-contact sport, but they have to start talking about these tackles in a more serious way because ultimately it'll be an Arsenal player. It'll be some other player who gets injured. Then they'll all get on their high horses. They'll pontificate about how this sort of thing can't happen. And then we have the whole he's not that kind of player thing will come out. And it's just, you know, it's a, a problem, I think, within the English game. That this stuff Mm. is tolerated the way that it's tolerated and in some ways, uh, some ways lauded and lionized by certain sections of the media. You know, this guy, he's soft because, well, he plays for Arsenal. He's not soft because he plays for Arsenal. He's lying on the ground in pain because a guy came in at top speed and put his fucking studs in his ankle, you cunts. That's why he's fucking in pain, not because he's a fucking softy. It's really irritating, really irritating. And maybe, you know, I know we're speculating and, you know, our problems go much more, um, much deeper than just Alexis Sanchez being injured. But maybe if you have Alexis Sanchez fully fit in that second half, He is a player who can make a difference in a game. He is a player who can get you a goal, who can inspire the team, who can drive the team forward. He's not always going to do it, but he is capable of it. But when he's playing on one foot, he really fucking isn't.
0: Yeah. And I, and I did feel like they were fouling him rotationally. I did feel like there was a clear, uh, decision to kind of almost take him out, really. They were sort of, there was foul after foul on Alexis.
1: He was getting very, um, um, very irritated by it as well, wasn't he? And he was talking to the ref about it. There were a number of times where he was, he was clearly fouled and the referee played on. And Sanchez, it looked to me like Sanchez was much more likely to get a booking than any of the players who were fouling him because he was, he was talking about it to the referee all the time.
0: Yeah, I thought he was going to get himself booked, but I could understand his frustration. And he's not a player you could ever really accuse of being soft. You know, that's not something you would level at him. So I think that that tells you something about the treatment he was getting. I don't know who... Sky
1: co-commentator was. I was watching on Sky, but yeah, he was absolutely I don't know. Yeah, who, um, yeah, I don't know who it was either because I didn't recognise uh, the voice at all. So maybe uh, if you're listening to this uh, and you know who it was, uh, you know, drop us a drop us a tweet, please. That would be uh, appreciated. But he was uh, he was very uh, very irritating. All right. Um, hmm. So we we go behind. I mean, look, just before they scored. They had a a glorious chance. Rondon had a a great chance to score uh, with a header header, uh, yeah, yeah. from a a McLean cross, which we just didn't bother closing down. We didn't uh, close him down and and cut off the supply. Rondon headed wide. Almost immediately he got taken off and they brought on uh, fake Canu and and he he scored the goal. Um, I was actually pleased when Rondon
0: went off because I thought... Uh, he was quite sort of burly and giving our centre a bit of a, a tricky time. But yeah, immediately, Canu, son of Canu, comes on and yeah. scores. Um, uh, we haven't talked about the goalkeeper change. Obviously, we were forced into a switch with oh, Pelacek yeah. going off of David Ospina. And you know, while Ospina's done okay this season, I suspect. Tony Pulis probably would have been pleased to see him come on rather than check, you know, especially on, on the set-piece front.
1: Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, Ospina's not a goalkeeper that you want in your team when you're facing, you know, imagine Ospina against the 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 stokiest stoke of all time. Remember when Rory Dilap used to fling in those long throws in the corners and this yeah. fucking six-foot... Four, you know, fullbacks and defenders and midfielders all in there. I mean, he would just have nightmares about it. And he's not the goalkeeper you want to in a game like that. I don't think he was. Um, look, I thought he was poor for the second goal. I thought he should have come and taken yeah. the ball. He should have been more decisive. Uh, he might have might have got hurt. But, you know, isn't that part and parcel of the job?
0: Yeah, I was chatting to a mate of mine who plays in goal, actually, and he was like, that looked like me when I first started playing in goal and I was a bit afraid of getting hurt. Like, ultimately, that ball is there for him to take, but he kind of bottles it Mm. uh, and it's not a good look it's not a good look for a spinner and you know then uh, robson Carney just sort of pokes it home i mean it was a, it was a it was a calamity really
1: yeah goal. it wasn't pretty it wasn't good at all um but i mean look still that was very early in the second half and you have all that time to get yourself uh, a, another goal or m- maybe another two goals if you can if you can manage that but we were absolutely toothless toothless like Welbeck, mm. uh, you know, I liked Danny Welbeck, but he he looked like a guy who was seriously rusty. Olivier Giroud yeah. came on, didn't really get a kick. Theo Walcott, where was the anger at being left out of the England squad? It wasn't evident in his performance. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain was poor. Uh, Aaron Ramsey was poor. Alexis, of course, was hobbled, so he couldn't really make an impact. Um, you know, it was just it felt more like they were going to score again than we were going to get an equaliser. Always. I mean,
0: I'm trying to remember chances that we had. Apart from Welbeck heading against the bar, I I cannot remember another chance. Penalty on Mustafi? Yeah, possibly a penalty. That was in the immediate aftermath of that, wasn't it? I think that was the same corner. Yeah, it, it could well have been, but aside from that... I'm just thinking, I mean, I I almost can't even remember a a shot in anger, to be honest with you.
1: We, yeah, I mean, we had two shots. Two shots on target. On target in the second half. Uh, I don't know who they came from. I'm just looking at my Stat Zone app here. No, we, we had. I think it uh, was in the whole game, wasn't it? No, we had. Yeah, we had no shots on target in the in the second half. We had five attempts, no goals. Uh, obviously, uh, no shots on target, and obviously, Danny Welbeck hitting the bar was as close as we came. And that was from that was from a corner, a set piece, and then they scored the third goal. Did you watch? Um, I I don't tend to watch the analysis on Sky afterwards, but did you watch? Uh did you watch it um on Saturday? I did. I did see it. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, Thierry Henry had something to say about the way that they defended the goal again. Aaron Ramsey let Craig Dawson run off him. And what was in what was interesting to me when I looked at that was after the first goal, they had another corner not too long afterwards. And again, there was the same situation where Craig Dawson was waiting for the ball and Ramsey was like, Okay, I made a mistake that time, I'm gonna gonna do my bit and he competed with him uh, for for the yeah. corner. But then by the third goal he just gave up again. Alex Oxley Chamberlain I mean, strolling back in, you know, he 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 was there and could have could have done more. I mean it was really half hearted attempt to, to block him off, wasn't it? You know? It's like oh I mean f- have
0: you seen that that snapshot of uh Arsenal's players all sort of crowded at the near post and yeah. three West Brom players completely free at the far post. I mean, it is literally the case that if Dawson hadn't put it in... In fact, when it happened in real time, I couldn't tell who had scored because there were so many West Brom players <laughs> who could have put that in the net. It's fucking ridiculous. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, you know, that if that is zonal marking, then those players did not attend to their zones because I I find it impossible to believe that Mm. their instructions are abandon your zones and all stand at the near post. (laughs) Um, Pick a zone, any zone. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Okay, when the whistle blows, all run into your favourite zone. Yeah, Um, don't tell anyone uh, which zone that is. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm laughing now, but I, I certainly wasn't at the time. And it was just, you know... I mean, I think that it was one of those things where, like, the commentator was like, a corner West Brom, will they look for Dawson again? They have. It was like one of those things where it was kind of self fulfilling. It just happened. It was, yeah, it it just played out exactly as your nightmares would imagine it. Mm. Um, And 3 1. And I mean, that's a big scoreline to lose to any team, let alone uh, a, a team ensconced in mid table like West Brom, who don't necessarily have loads to play for I mean we had loads of possession but it was so passive and when you look at teams like I don't know I watched City-Liverpool yesterday and when they get the ball they at least have a real intent to go forward and score goals there's a menace about their play that there just isn't Mm. in Arsenal's at the moment and uh, we just wilted in every respect and it was at a time when we were looking for something different something to pick us up it was just more of the same but against a lower quality of opposition which i guess makes it uh all the more
1: painful yeah i i was afraid it was going to get worse Did yeah me too to...
0: i thought this could, could be four five yeah. i was like imagine if it is i mean it, it could have been you know we were getting hit on the break with such ease yeah um that it, it genuinely could have been ugly. A bit like, you know, the final stages of those Munich games, That's, except it's West
1: Brom. Yeah, exactly. That was what was in my head. And I think, you know, had it been a team of greater quality, it could have been. Like losing 5-1 to Bayern Munich is not good. Losing 5-1 to West Brom, phew, but even losing 3-1 to West Brom, I'm sorry. You know, it's, uh, it's just not good enough for... Uh, for this club and for this, uh, for, for these players to play the way that they did or not to play the way that they did? Do you draw, draw anything from that performance? You know, it, it struck me for the first time that I can remember during Arsene Wenger's reign, the thought occurred to me that these players are not playing for him, that they're not giving everything that they can give for this football club. Because, you know, we can criticize a manager and we will talk about him. Of course, we're going to talk about him. But, you know, the players, as soon as they pull on that shirt, have got a responsibility to the club, mm. to the team, to each other, to the fans, to the people that pay their wages. They have a responsibility to give 100%. I know it sounds cliche, but, you know, give 100%. Give everything you've got. Um, you know, do your jobs. Do the basics. Do what you're supposed to do. Do what you're told to do. Defend corners. Don't slack off. Don't look around and expect somebody else to do the job that you're supposed to do. That's the, that's the bare minimum. And those players didn't do that. And it was obvious that they weren't doing it. And you've got, to, you've got to wonder why are they not doing it. Is is the message or whatever the manager is saying to them, is it just going in one ear and out the other now? I think it is. I think that's what it is.
0: Um, yeah I think that's it I, I like I think you're right the players do have to take some criticism for not taking responsibility um I think but but I also kind of think it's almost uh, and I'm not making excuses for them but it's almost not their fault I almost think it is now a consequence of the situation and the environment like there's such a problem of accountability at Arsenal that it's kind of filtered down to the players and there's no culture of uh, fear, I guess. Really, there's no, there's no. They, they, they're so used to Arsene Wenger being there that the instructions, as you say, have ceased to carry the same weight. There's no fearing of the consequences of not following them. They think he'll still be there. They think they'll still be there. It's just so comfortable that they have become lazy. People, footballers particularly, seem to require stakes in order to motivate themselves and it just feels like the stakes at Arsenal aren't high enough which is perverse from the outside because there's so much pressure but I just think internally there kind of isn't enough
1: yeah the fabled comfort zone I guess you would say I mean I wouldn't abdicate them of of responsibility in the same way that that you do or not not to blame them in the same way I think you know regardless of what's going on I still feel like They have underperformed and whether it's conscious or subconscious, whether it's to do with the manager, uh, whether it's to do with just, you know, existing within this comfort zone, I don't know, but I don't think I can give them a, you know, any kind of a free pass in that regard. I still think they should do better. But what I would say is that I, I feel like the whole situation in this football club, nobody has a fucking clue what is going on. And I think that includes the players. I think that I don't believe that this environment that that is there at this moment in time is in any way healthy. I think it's obvious now that the uncertainty that surrounds the manager, the uncertainty that surrounds various other things, you know, the club, uh, contract situations with top players, um, it's all feeding into into what's happening on the pitch. You can see the consequences of this lack of leadership We've spoken about it before, like, about how there doesn't seem to be any direction from the very top of the club. There, it's not there. That people are happy for things to just kind of chug along in this weirdly chaotic way. Oh, I know what I'm going to do, says Arsene Wenger after the game. Does anybody else know? No. No. Nobody else knows. So he's made a decision in his own mind, which we think we know, based on the newspaper speculation... But nobody is coming out to say they're okay with this. Like, the I mean, cl- how
0: insane is that? How insane it's is that? It's it's so not. It's mad. It's mad. I mean, I, the, the players. It's so funny. We spent so long, you know, wondering if Arsenal had enough leaders on the pitch that we forgot to check if they had any off the pitch. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and we don't. No, and we it's fucking much don't. more concerning. It's much more concerning because the club. You know, uh, Jeremy Wilson of the Telegraph described the uncertainty as corrosive. And I think that's a a good description. Mm. It is eating away at the club now. Because, and to come back to the players, it's like on a very simple level, obviously they should be playing, obviously they're pros, but. That who are they playing for? Are they playing for Arsene Wenger? Are they playing for the next manager? You know what? I think you want to know your future. You want, as an employee, you want to know what the plan is. You want to know what what the hell is going on. They, to a certain extent, they're in the same boat as us. And if we, as fans, are you know thinking, oh, well, that's it. I'm chucking in the towel. I'm not. I'm not going to do the podcast. I'm not going to go to the game next week." You know, obviously, they're paid professionals, but. In the back of their minds, they probably feel a bit the same. And uh, and I think as well, you can't also rule out the possibility that some of them are maybe welcoming the idea of a new manager. I don't even think they, you know, they consciously know they think that. But if they wanted Arsene Wenger in charge, surely they'd be giving more on the field than they are at present.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is it. How many stories have we seen over the last few weeks? We've let the manager down. You know, we've got, to, we've got to do better. We've got to play better. We, you know, we, he's shown such faith in us, et cetera, et cetera, that our performances haven't repaid that faith, blah, 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 blah. Look at what happened at West Brom. That's the fucking, that's the answer. That's where, you, that's where you draw the truth from, from what happens on the pitch and the way that players behave and the way that they perform. And it's clear that there's a big, big problem there. A big problem.
0: Yeah, it's, it's action speaking louder than words, yeah. isn't it? Uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain came out after the game and was very apologetic for the performance and said it wasn't good enough, but without wanting to scapegoat, I mean, he was absolutely dreadful on those set pieces. Like, he was so poor and so lacklustre. So it doesn't add up. Like it, it, this thing of like, oh, we, you know, we want to perform for the manager. We feel like we're letting him down. We want him to stay. There's the, that's not what I'm seeing on the field. It's almost like we're kind of willing the worst case scenario.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, when when a team pretty much downs tools the way that they did, you can draw one or two conclusions from that, and they're they're pretty obvious. But let's let's go on to the manager then, and the decision that. Or the decision that he's made when he when he said that when that story broke on Saturday afternoon after the game we were chatting mm-hmm. on we were chatting on WhatsApp um, yeah and it's quite maybe, funny people we'll get some very, free WhatsApp now yeah we, now that we some, mentioned that <laughs> we get some free WhatsApp um, hang on let me just see if I can uh, blah blah blah. Uh, I think we're on the cusp of free crisps. No, that was a different thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> you said big quote from Arsene today. Is that it? And I said sounds like it, doesn't it? And you said yeah, I guess it has to be. Um, and then was sort of more chat about the uh, about the game itself, um, and, and that was that, we probably went
0: back to the crisps, we went as back well. to
1: crisps, yeah, and biscuits and cakes and free things. Um, but that was what we were thinking in the immediate aftermath mm. of that uh, of that game. And when he made that comment, it looked to me that's what I that's what I thought. I thought that was like a well, you know, that's it. But <laughs> it, it appears that it's quite the opposite. That according to all the reports in the paper, so the Mirror went with it, the Telegraph went with it, the Guardian went with it, the Mail went with it. Arsene Wenger has decided to stay. Now, having. Spoken at his press conference, he was asked, does anybody else know what your decision is? And he said, no. Now we have this story that's out where he's decided to stay. Now, has he has he briefed the press? Has his agent or manager briefed the press? I don't think so. If the club are briefing the press in that way, how do you read it? It's incredibly clumsy if it is the club or the communications department or if it's coming from, you know, a board level that this is the decision that, that he's made. It's incredibly clumsy in terms of the timing. Or do you, uh, as I speculated in the blog today, is this perhaps another way for the club to fan the flames of ire and anger towards the manager based on what Ivan Gazeta said about the fans who will ultimately decide his future Silent Stan and Silent Ivan, who's been nowhere to be seen, would it be convenient for them to leak the story about another two years knowing exactly how it would go down in the wake of a terrible defeat and a terrible performance? Sounds a bit conspiracy theory-esque, but they haven't shown the bottle or the, uh, the spine to deal with this in any other way, so it wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me if that's what it was.
0: Well, I was going to ask you about this. I've got a vague memory of that happening before, maybe it was it in twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen, when we were last talking about Arsene Wenger's renewal. I've got a memory of a story coming out saying that. Hello, hello. <laughs> <laughs> I've knocked my microphone over That's in my okay. as I as I huddled around it, being all like, I've got a th- uh, memory. But no, back in twenty thirteen, fourteen, I I seem to recall this a similar story. I think it was earlier in the season, saying that Arsene Wenger had agreed a new contract. Was it around Bayern Munich or something like that? Around a Bayern Munich game. And Arsene Wenger coming out saying, that's absolutely not true. Yes. I can't... And he was very angry about it. And he was like, this is a... You know this is a damaging lie about the club. Yeah. And, and And I... And I... Again, we never really got to the bottom of the story, but there was a bit of a sense of, had it been put out potentially by the club in order to create some pressure on him to make a decision... And um, I don't know, but I guess it's possible that a similar thing is happening this okay, time around. Okay, here mean-
1: it is. I found it, actually. Um, Ivan Gazidis, in January 2014, He was uh, this was a kid announcement, a Puma thing. And mm. he said, we are comfortable and relaxed. Arson will be extending with us, and at the right time, we'll announce it. Now, mm. I can't quite remember when that Wenger story was... Uh, let me just see. I'm just going to try and search here. I can't remember exactly when that denial was. No, me neither. But
0: I have a memory of it. Yeah. And don't you, was it, was it, I don't know if it involved Neil Ashton, but I feel
1: like it might've done. It did. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway. That was, was that the, um, the, you know, why are you looking at me? Why are you, why? Yeah. Why are you looking at me? <laughs> um, I think that, I think that could have been it. Um Let me just see if I can find it here. But yeah, it, it it wouldn't be beyond the the club to to do that. I don't think at this moment in time. And while we're while we're on this, right? Mm. There's a lot of focus on the manager, and it's his intention to stay. And I think I saw somebody on Twitter say this. I, I can't remember who it was, so apologies. But basically, all managers think that they're capable of turning it around until such point as they get the boot, right? So I, you know, yeah. this is Arsene Wenger. This is what he, um, this is what he thinks that he can still work hard. And I know Filippo Claire was tweeting about it last night, saying that look, he he he's aware of the unrest, but this will only spur him to work harder and to try and prove that he's still capable of of doing it. But let's, for all the power that Arsene Wenger has at Arsenal Football Club, right? Let's not ignore the fact that he hasn't drafted up a new contract for himself. This contract is on offer from the board, from the club, from Ivan Gazidis, from Stan Kroenke. They've agreed that this is what they want to happen. And, you know, they're allowing this situation to develop and to fester because I think this is what it is. It's a situation that has been allowed to fester. This uncertainty Mm. over his contract, will he, won't he? Are you going to stay? Are you not going to stay? To complete almost total silence from the board, apart from the other day when we got Sir Chips and he came out and released a statement saying, this will be a mutual decision. That's as much as we got from them, but they're the ones that have offered him this contract that some people say has already been signed, and it's just a matter of waiting for the for the right time to announce it. Like, when the fuck is the right time to announce that? Now. I don't know how you fucking sell that. You could have the best PR people in the world, and you're not going to be able to sell that as a good thing to a, to a, a large number of people.
0: I mean, what's it's so baffling. And what what changed that Arcevenga said, I know what I will do? Do you think he was just being kind of prickly and uh, trying to get reporters off his back? Or do you think something had actually changed that he sat there in that press conference and was like, oh, well, now I know what I'm well, going to do, having feeling, played his cards close to his
1: chest? My feeling was that having watched that and having seen those players play the way that they did, he had come to some sort of realisation that they're not doing it for me anymore. That's what I thought. Hmm. And he went, OK, maybe it's time. That's That was my initial feeling about it. As to why he then decided to say, if his intention is to say, to stay, to, to announce that he has made a decision in the wake of a game like that. I've got no idea. James, I can't fucking figure out what the fuck is going on with this football club. I really am at my, my wits end trying to make sense of it all. Look at this. No, fu- it's look, really at, hard. look at the fucking, <laughs> look at this football club, the biggest football club in London. In the biggest city in Europe with a magnificent stadium, amazing stadium, Uh, brilliant training facilities which are being upgraded, fantastic resources, financial potential, infrastructure, loads of staff and employees. Maybe we're short in some areas, but it's a big fucking business machine now, as well as being a football club. The potential that this football club has is enormous. It is absolutely, I won't say unlimited, but it has the potential to be an, a massive football club. And what we don't have is anybody who has the drive or ambition to make this football club as good as it should be. Because if you look at the board, you know, Barr, someone like Sir Chips and, and Ken Fryer, who's been on the board for, for many years, the, the, the incumbents now, Stan Kroenke and Ivan Gazidis, they inherited this stadium. They inherited that potential that was put in place by the previous board. And you can criticize them if you want for selling up and everything else. And that's fine. I get it. But at least they had the drive to make something happen. And at that point, they could have said, look, we've done everything we can. You know, now it's somebody else's turn to take this club forward. Take this stadium, 60,000 people, brilliant facilities, brilliant views, all the fucking corporate shit that you need And you have to have it. As much as we dislike it, you've got to have this corporate, uh, you know, environment to a football club. That's where the big money comes in. Like good luck selling Europa League or no European football to those guys next year. But anyway, you know, here it is that that board made that happen because they knew that for the football club to be as big as it could be, it had to happen. As much as we all loved Highbury and everything else, it had to happen if you want to really compete with these big clubs. So in comes Stan Kroenke, in comes Ivan Gazidis, and what's happened since? Nothing. Like, there's no ambition, no desire to make this club as good as it can be. I think back to 2015, right? When uh, in 2013 we signed Mesut Ozil, 2014 we signed Alexis Sanchez. We win the FA Cup in 2014 and 2015. We're back winning trophies again. 2015, that summer, is the summer where you make a statement. You say, right, mm-hmm. we've had bad years. Things have been tight. Things have been difficult for various reasons. We all know what they are. But we've bought a world-class player in 2013, a world-class player in 2014. We've got two FA Cups under our belt. Now is the time, with the with the purse strings loosened, now is the time to go and fucking make another statement. Go out and get another fucking top player, a really world-class player. And um, All we did was bring in Petr Cech. And that's not to be dismissive of Petr Cech, because at the time, I think everybody viewed it as a good signing, a, a signing that we needed because, you know, the goalkeeping situation was was so up in the air. But where was the person at that football club to make it happen? If Arsene Wenger decided, well, no, I think I'm happy enough to stick with what I've got. No, we're not doing that. We're going to bring in a fucking top class midfielder or we're going to bring in a top class defender. Then you make a statement. Then you show that you're serious about competing for the Premier League and for the Champions League, as well as the FA Cup. But they sit in their fucking hands. They just sit on their hands, and they watch the the value of the club increase, the share value of the club increase, the property values increase, more money comes into the club from broadcasting, and, you know, the the, the place is just awash with cash. It's a cash cow for Stan Kroenke, and uh, apart from that, he doesn't really care about it. And that's where we are.
0: I hear you, and that is definitely true. But how do you, how do you square the fact that ultimately it, it's the manager who has complete control of f- football decisions? But and, that's and he, on them as well, he didn't isn't make it? Those signings,
1: but is that not on them too? Do they not have that, to take? some... Res- that he's in that position. Yeah, that they not, yeah, Do they not have sure. to take some responsibility for that? For that? For allowing that power vacuum a to be created and b to continue. Without anybody thinking, you know, along the along the way, hey, you know what, maybe Arson, you could do a better job. No one's doubting how hard you work, but maybe you could do a better job if you didn't have to do fucking everything. If you had people around to support you. Or if indeed there was a little bit of pressure on you.
0: Well, that's certainly true. That's certainly true, and that is that is incumbent on the board. I mean, <laughs> It's it, it's been an awkward transition for them, really. I guess in terms of like inheriting the club at a time when Arsene Wenger is there, I guess they felt like they don't want to challenge his authority, but mm. that has had pretty dire consequences mm. Um, mm. and created a, a very problematic situation that that, it, that has led directly to the mess we're in now. Yeah. I mean, ultimately, how did you feel when the stories broke last night that said um, that the manager has decided to stay?
1: Um, I I felt like it was the wrong thing for the for the football club. I think, yeah, you know, and probably the wrong thing for for Arsene Wenger.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I felt kind of like I wouldn't say surprised because nothing surprises me anymore. No, <laughs> but uh, uh, I guess kind of disappointed. Really, I, I think it, it it would be the wrong call. And, you know, I do think that it's worth saying that w- what Arsene Wenger wants and what actually happens could not be the same thing if the board had any conviction.
1: Well, yeah, um, yeah. But I yeah, I, I don't think they do. Well, they offered him the um, deal. It's not like, you know, they offered it to him. So they're, they're he's going, yeah, I think I'll sign it.
0: But they're the yeah, ones. I mean, the question is, if you earn £8 million a year, would you sack yourself?
1: Yeah, but, it, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Or if you're in a job that you love, at a club that you love, yeah. you know, um, and, and you feel like you still can contribute and you feel like you can still do better and you want to prove that, okay, this was a bad season, but, you know, I can, I can do better. You know, it's not... I, I can sort of understand it from Wenger's point of view, why he would want to continue. Do you think that if that is what he wants, that will be a big part of it,
0: not wanting to go out on a low, basically?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think there comes a point where, you know, I'm not saying he exists in in a bubble or anything like that. He's clearly a, a very intelligent man, but we know he's a stubborn man, quite intransigent, who has, you know, a lot of faith in himself and his ability as a manager. And wants to win things. I'm sure he wants more than anything to win things. But what's becoming very clear is that he can't. Not not mm. not not the Champions League, not the Premier League. I love an FA Cup, but you know we're not competitive in either of those uh, competitions.
0: Nineteen points off Chelsea. I think we are as as we stand.
1: There's probably something uh, something about you know how we're closer to the you know. The bottom of yeah, the really relegation nice. zone the probably leaders.
0: Probably one of those around. Probably yeah. one
1: of those. But I mean, th- does that not tell its own story? And I did a post the other day on our on blog about how, you know, at this time of the year, when you go to February, March, April, May, how close have we been? How close have we been to actually winning the Premier League? And for some years, I can understand why we weren't completely. But we just, we're just not competitive. In the in the competitions that are the bread and butter, certainly the Premier League, Champions League, you know, do I have any realistic uh, expectations of us winning it? No, but doing better than we we have done, yeah, you know. So look, yeah, it's uh, the whole thing's... I just, mean, it's,
0: yeah. the whole thing is a mess, and there is now an international break where, if you were going to announce something either way, this would be. The time, maybe, because you know there's a bit of time off from the football,
1: and but you can't, uh, can you? You can't, you can't announce it. You can't announce a new contract. You can't. You just can't. Like, I don't know what's going to happen between now and the end of the season. We've lost four of our last five games. We've won three of our last nine, and two of those were against non-league sides. This is a Mm. team that looks broken, and I don't think, I don't think he can fix it. At which point you have to ask the question, when on earth is it going to be possible to announce a two-year deal if he's already signed it or if that's what, what he wants? I just don't, I just, you know, you've got to win. You've got, you're going to have to beat Man City. You're going to have to beat uh, Man City twice, get to an, an FA Cup final. You're going to have to beat Tottenham away from home. You're going to have to beat Manchester United. To 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 have any chance realistically of of getting into that top four, which is you know the bare minimum, wasn't it interesting? Did he say something about you know we don't need to finish in the top four?
0: Yeah, he said. Oh, financially, it doesn't it doesn't have the weight it once had. Yeah, financially, my future's not financially. dependent on
1: it. Yeah, but I mean, it's- <laughs> <laughs> that's a change of tune, isn't it? <laughs> what are we going for now? You know, sixth place trophy. I, you know, it's not. Y- you can't. Um, You can't hold up top four as the bare minimum, which is what he said many times, but the bare minimum is top four. That's the least that we want from a season is what he said is what Ivan Gazidis has said. You can't now turn around and start dismissing it. Now, I I get the point. It is not as financially important as it used to be. Champions League money used to be the thing that would would set a a club apart. It would give them an advantage in terms of what they could spend in the transfer market and on wages. That's completely gone now because of of the, the, the Sky and BT broadcasting rights deal. Like, everybody's rich now. So Champions League money is not as important as it was, but it still is important for the, the prestige of a uh, of a club to be playing European football. I mean, you know, do you attract a player like Alexis Sanchez if you can't offer them Champions League football? Don't think so.
0: No. So anyway. No, and and I mean, oh, it's, uh, yeah, and, and as for Alexis Sanchez, I mean, I was thinking yesterday, you know, that, his contract situation, Mesut Ozil's contract situation, barely getting a mention at the moment. And that's partly, I guess, because Arsenal is taking the headlines, but also there seems to be a sense of resignation, really, about their future. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's fucking maddening. And like, I think <laughs> like, we're going to probably see the birth of a new football chant at the Emirates, which is going to be, we don't know what you're doing, because we haven't got a fucking clue what the club are up to. I... I you know where, like, you follow a club for a long time and you feel like you understand the manager's behaviour, the owner's behaviour? You can kind of read between the lines and see what's going on. Right now, hand on heart, I haven't got a clue. I haven't got a clue. Yeah. And it's... that That's scary. <laughs> It's scary for me.
1: Yeah. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. It's impossible to look at what's going on and think this is a cohesive, well-organized, well-run football club that knows what it's doing, that knows what it wants to do, where it wants to go and how it wants to get there. You cannot fucking tell me that's the case with this football club right now.
0: Well, it's not. It's not. And, 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 And there's a lot of potential for it to get worse before it gets better. I'm getting this in before the break because I feel like I need to say that and then we can move on. But, like, I do, when I look at the fixtures, as you say, you're like, well, when's the positive upturn going to be where you could sneak out an announcement about a new contract? Because, genuinely, it could get worse. And any announcement about a new contract could play a big part in it getting worse because the atmosphere after that, I I daren't even predict what it will be like. Toxic, it will be.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's fucking nuts um yeah. right well look let's let's take a break because this has been a fairly epic first half um, we'll take a break we'll do some questions of course many of which are are on the uh, themes that we've already covered but we'll try and provide a bit of variety and more in part two right after this. Sign up for a $1 a month trial period at Shopify.com slash arsblog, all lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash arsblog now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash arsblog. Welcome back to the uh, Arscast Extra, this uh, most cheery of episodes. Uh, this is part two where we answer the questions that you sent to us on Twitter at GunnarBlog and at ArsBlog and also on the ArsBlog Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash the ArsBlog. Before, um, before we do the questions, or oh, you have a little bit of a clarification on something we spoke about in the first half?
0: Yeah, we were talking about the kind of Arsene Wenger, Neil Ashton face off, and uh, I should clarify, I think that was in February 2013, so he still had over a year to. Did he have a year to run his contract? Yeah, he had a year to run his contract at the time. But there was a story saying that he was on the verge of signing an extension anyway. And then that that riled arson said, uh, you know, this is the wrong information. I deserve better than to have wrong information. And, you know, you looking at me, all that kind of his Travis Bickle moment. But Mm. I think, you know, the, the, the thrust remained the same. That a story came out about a new contract at a time where it was very kind of controversial yeah. and there was a slight sense of maybe it was to pressure him into some sort of decision it didn't work and we had to wait until may 2014 to find out what it was going to do so some things never change
1: all right yeah all right well look here here's the first question this comes from mike who's at mc lots of h's is how i think you pronounce that Yes. Anyway, he says, do you think Mesut Ozil will miraculously have recovered by Wednesday's Germany-England International?
0: <laughs> yes. Well, he's, got, he's met meeting up with the squad, I believe. It's a very interesting one, this. I mean, it's sort of been, you know, the final paragraph in all the Wenger stories today, saying that Mesut Ozil trained on Friday and was widely expected to be left out of the team for West Brom, and then suddenly wasn't fit. And if I'm right, that's exactly what happened with the Liverpool game, too. So... It's a little bit fishy, isn't it? It feels like he's had a minor injury or a spot of illness quite a lot of late. Mm, does, doesn't it? Yes. I mean, I suppose if he he was really not going to be involved, then maybe they would just say it was a long-term injury. They'd just say his leg had fallen off and we'd never see him again. It's always like a minor complaint that's keeping him out, but it's definitely fishy, I think. I mean... Do you think we're right to be a bit suspicious of it?
1: Uh yeah, yeah. Uh, hmm. I I don't think there's Look, you can never know obviously. Um unless you're there, you know what a player's fitness really is. And maybe he is injured. Maybe he has been sick. And, you know, I, I don't want to do him any disservice. But I think when you look at those comments that came out from his agent about how Ozil was feeling scapegoated, which came out on February the 15th, I think. And he's made two substitute yeah. appearances since. That's it. You know, you, you, if it was happening at another club, you'd be. Really suspicious, wouldn't you? If it was happening with another player, if a manager, you know, was happening, this kind of um, ongoing angst was being made public. You'd you'd think, well, look, there's something definitely suspicious, something fishy going on, and uh, I, I think there may well be with Mesut So I don't quite quite know what it is, but you know, we're long enough in the tooth not to take everything at face value, so. Because, yeah, my question
0: would be, what's going on with him that isn't going on with Alexis? Do you know what I mean? Like, I know they're different situations, but yeah, contractually they're in the same position and, and Arsenal still seems to be relying on Alexis. I guess maybe the fact that, it, you know, Ozil maybe isn't uh, an automatic pick right now in terms of the tactical shape of the team and... You know, maybe he's not too happy about that. I mean, it's complete guesswork at this stage, but mm. uh, I would expect him to play for Germany in the international break, and I, I don't necessarily expect him to play for Arsenal against Manchester City when we come back. <sighs>
1: I mean, it's, a, it's kind of mad, isn't it? The way that situation from a few months ago when he was scoring goals and playing really well and viewed as a hugely important player, not just for this season, but for the future of the football club. Things have turned around so dramatically that there are people now who are saying, I don't care if Mesut Ozil goes or stays. And mm-hmm. when he's left out of a team or out of a squad to go and face West Brom, nobody's really that bothered. People weren't that bothered. I think it's you know yeah. it's it's really a shame what's happened. I don't know like like you I don't know the the nuts and bolts of it or what the what's caused this schism if there is one but you know it really is um it really is a shame because he's a fantastic player and a guy who in the right setup would be absolutely outstanding.
0: But has been. Has, has been, been for time. us
1: yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I,
0: I- uh, you know, let's not forget what he contributed last season. You know, smashing assists records and all sorts of things. And yeah. I think uh, in the first half of the season, I, I always think of that goal against Ludogorets. So you know, at that moment in time, Ozil was absolutely the, the top of his game. And uh, we were talking about how he developed a goal-scoring edge. You know, he was instrumental in defeating Chelsea. It's all just fallen away for him, and and you know. <laughs> The kind of rhetoric around those contracts—I mentioned it briefly in the first half—but you know we'll, we'll deal with it. Hopefully, before Christmas, we'll deal with it in January, and now it's just silence, silence from all parties, and that feels very, very ominous indeed. I mean, in my head, I'm resigned to them, to them both uh, going. What about you?
1: Yeah, I would be. I would be. Surprised I mean, the one thing I think that could keep
0: them is a the new one manager. thing I think could. Get, is a new
1: manager. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I mean, I do, yeah, it, it would be more of a surprise to me if they stayed. And then how the fuck do you rebuild? How do you rebuild your team after, after losing two players like that? The reputational damage on its own. Do you attract players of that caliber to come to a club when they're looking at it going, look, Arsenal looks fucking chaotic enough as it is at the moment. The fans are going crazy because the manager has signed a new two-year deal. Do I want to go and play in that atmosphere? And do I want to go and play for a club that can't keep players like Ozil and Sanchez? Rather than adding to them, they just do the same thing. I mean, there's no excuses this time. No financial excuses when we lost players like Fabregas and, and Van Persie. There was a financial element, but there was also a sporting competitive element to it as well which was tied to that financial element not being able to invest as much in the team as as we would have liked but now that's not there that is not there we spent big money we spent fucking 90 million pounds i know united spent that on one player but everybody views that as vaguely ridiculous but we spent 90 million pounds on you know uh, mustafi xhaka and and lucas perez and somebody else like money else. yeah it is big money it's a big investment in a squad that has gone backwards it's yeah and and and
0: if they do go it's because they don't believe in the project basically yeah and that's a very a very damning thing indeed yeah i, I think i think they will both go i think if 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 it was announced now that there was going to be a managerial change then maybe they'd stick around to see you know if it was someone they had a relationship with or or what have you, yeah, yeah, if Yogi loves coming in, maybe Mes goes, oh, okay, you know, but I think as things stand, I don't think I don't think they're into it, and I think they know they could go somewhere else and mm. be immediately more competitive um right. this question is from Claire Adams at Claire's Mick on Twitter. This is a tough one for you, okay, but <laughs> Simple question. She, she says it's a simple question. She's lying, right? What positives are there for Arsene staying for two more years? Let's look on the bright side. What positives are there, or what positives could there be? Yeah, I guess. What could there be? What positives could we derive if he, if Arsene Wenger is going to sign a new deal? If the board, if it's signed. If it's signed and it's done and they're just waiting for the awkward moment to tell us. Mm. Is there any good in that? Uh,
1: The only thing that I could see as being a positive is if that two-year period were used to properly transition the club to a more modern setup. to To a time when the manager or the head coach, whoever he is, does not have all the power that Arsene Wenger has, whereby we have a sporting director, where we have a new academy manager, where we have a director of football or a transfer fixer, where we have an upgraded coaching staff, where we have an upgraded scouting network, that if those things are put in place over the course of the two years of Arsene Wenger's uh, contract, then I think that could be a long-term positive for the club. Now... Do you... Go on. I don't believe that any of that will happen. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Unless, unless someone like Robert Perez is appointed sporting director. Now, he doesn't have huge experience as a football administrator. And could he work and learn from Arsene Wenger and in two years' time be absolutely top, you know, uh, shipshape to do that job with a new manager where he has, would have a measure of, of control and authority. That's the you know, but Robert Perez isn't going to come in and be sporting director and start signing players over Arsene Wenger's head, for example. That's not going to happen. Whoever they appoint a sporting director will have no control or authority over the manager. So the only way that appointment can be made is somebody who's happy to maybe learn the job during those two years, and then w- when the time comes, you know, they can step up and, and take a bit more control. But I don't see I, you know Wenger doesn't change his coaching staff very rarely very rarely does yeah. he change the coaching I mean, staff the, you know the so. problem
0: with appointing someone like a perez or, or even anyone really while Arsene Wenger is still there is that if the idea is to bring in someone who can challenge the manager and put some exert pre- some pressure on him and you know kind of wrestle with or for him with him for authority like eh, Arsene Wenger, it'll be like gazidis you know he'll be on the interview interviewing panel do you know what i mean like yeah. it, it won't be a functional relationship. And uh, I guess the question becomes, yes, we have to do a lot of work on the kind of infrastructure of the club. We need to make several appointments. The question is, is it easier to do that with Arcevenga there or with a new man there? Mm. And I think that, you know, there's an argument, okay, it's easier with Arcevenga. He can, we can kind of make a smoother transition, but I actually think because of the nature of the man, it's actually probably quite difficult to put those people around him. He's resisted it for 20 years. It, people become more intransigent as they get older. It'd be quite a change if he suddenly was like, OK, uh, you know, I flip my managerial philosophy. I'm happy yeah, for yeah, all yeah. these other cooks to come in and meddle with my broth.
1: Excuse um, me, Mr Leopard, would you please change your spots?
0: Exactly. <laughs> it seems improbable. And I do think while it would make it very difficult for a new manager to come into a club with that much change happening that quickly... I still think that's going to be more expedient than expecting uh, Arsene Wenger to uh, evolve. Mm. Um, I mean, because all the things that people are scared of about changing the manager, I kind of think we're already living through them. (laughs) You know, like, it's like when people say, oh, well, we can't make an announcement saying he's going because the player's... Their concentration might go, and I'm like, "Well, did you see <laughs> the West Brom game? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. their concentration's gone. Trust me, that's that can't get worse." And then people go, "Well, if we bring in someone new, you know, we could be, you know, it could be kind of like the David Moyes era, era, you know." And I'm like, "Well, I mean, it's not quite as bad as that, but this is a, this isn't like going from title winners. You know, we are." There is a quite a strong chance it could get better. Whereas, our, whereas United were champions, you know, when Ferguson went. Yeah. And and I feel like, you know, we're sixth now. I mean, you know, I think David Moyes was seventh when he got sacked. I, I know the league's not finished, Judge me in May and all that, but I just think that, um, and in some ways, I think that could be a good thing because it's like we are experiencing some of the pain of transition with Arsene Wenger still at the helm it's terrible for Arsene Wenger and it's terrible for those who love him because we wanted him to go out on this massive high but we are kind of halfway through that process yeah um with him still there like i think we might be we might be nearer the bottom of the curve than we think yeah um i
1: think that's a good so, point yeah, I- yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I just haven't. Uh, I mean, I haven't really answered the question about what's positive about him staying, because I, to be honest, I mean, I've got, I've got, I've got more questions. Shall I do more questions? Because I think it's related. Yeah, go on. Is that all right? I know it's not strictly my turn, but you know, I'm, I'm messing with it. Hey, it all goes out um, the window today. Yeah, it all goes out the window. Um, but where have I put it? That is the question. Yes, Jordan Parkin on Facebook says, if Arsene Mega does decide to extend his contract. Do you expect the protest to continue for two years or will people try and get behind him? I can't see anything but a toxic atmosphere involving Wenger from now on. I mean, if this news does come to pass, do you think people will rally and say, well, look, that's the decision of the board. We're going to get behind it. Or do you think it's no? No. no."
1: I don't don't think they will. I I don't think they will. I mean, I'm, I'm not of the opinion either that a new manager will suddenly heal all the divisions that exist within the fan base. I think it'll nice. certainly quiet things down, and and, uh, and and it would be like turning over a fresh page. You know, I, I get that, but I still think that the minute a the minute a a new manager has a difficult period, there'll be a lot of. Meh, told you, you know, there'll be a lot yeah, of that yeah, going yeah. on as well. Um, but <sighs> will the protests stop? No, I, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, and it is. It's it's incredibly. It's it's growing increasingly toxic. I mean, here's a question uh, from James McTaggart at Jimmy the Hat eight fourteen, who wants to know if Wenger is set to stay. What would he have to do in the transfer window to win the fans back? I mean, think about that. Just I I looked well, at that question and my mind went like fuck.
0: Well, the first thing that came to my mind is keep Alexis and Urza, yeah. and I'm not sure he can do that. Yeah. Especially if he finishes sixth or fifth. You know, I think it's going to be non impossible. So, you're, it's such a huge uphill battle. Given, you know, kind of uh, the doubts that already exist about him and that he might lose t- his two best players. I mean, if, if, if it's in Wenger's thoughts that he could stay on and turn it around, I mean, he he must also see the risk that it gets even worse. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, honestly, like, the the protest... We haven't talked about the planes and, you know, Sir Chip's paying from Hong Kong for his Well, planes. look, you know, I don't know that that's...
1: I, I mean, it sounds so fucking ludicrous and surreal, you know, that it could be true. I don't know that that's a fact. That was... I, I think I saw this on Twitter the other morning. Um, Tim Payton from the AST uh mentioned the Hong Kong thing and then mentioned the name of a company which is run by the brother of Sir Chips and uh Sir Chips's son, I think, works there as well. And that was, you know, maybe putting two and two together and getting four, but it could also have been, you know, uh two and two together and getting, you know, five or 12. You know, there's a lot of people in Hong Kong. Sure, I mean, a lot of Arsenal fans as well. A lot of Arsenal fans. And look... You know it does make some bizarre sense, but uh, you know i don't want to I don't want to entertain conspiracy theories like that and I also think that, that watching the game on Saturday it was like first plane goes over you go for fuck's sake, like you know I, I, it's just fucking nuts and then another plane I was expecting a third one if a, yeah. if another plane had gone or fucking Phileas Fogg in a hot air balloon was hanging out throwing out flyers about Wenger in or Wenger out or two more, you just wouldn't have fucking batted an eyelid, would you? That's what the fucking, that's what this, it's crazy that this is what things have come to, that people think spending money on fucking planes to fly above a football ground in the middle of a match is a good idea. Arsenal are driving people fucking mad. They're driving them I mean, we're literally
0: having a conversation about if if the chairman's family chartered a plane to fly over <laughs> the ground to, 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 to you know state a coded message of support oh. for the manager i mean w- i don't know what's going on but uh yeah
1: I, what the I, fuck I, I can't is having the
0: question anymore it, it's just mental now yeah it's absolutely mental and, and I, I yeah i i'm at the sort of I'm at my wit's end, really. Mm. I'm at my wit's end. I don't really know what to make of it anymore.
1: All right. Here's a, here's a question from a couple of questions here on players, actually. Uh, Chris Loco at Chris Loco underscore says, so many things I love about Hector, but speed aside, is it possible he's actually just a shit defender? <laughs> and, uh, Martin Fisher, who's at Marty underscore underscore fish wants to know, is Mustafi Arsene Wenger's worst ever signing con- uh, considering timing, price tag, etc.
0: Hmm. Well, I mean, on Bellerin, Tokyo Gooner on Twitter said, hello, what is the best way to get Bellerin to change his hairstyle? There's like a kind of reverse Samson thing going on. Yeah. The longer his hair gets, the worse he seems to play. He has actually been quite a lot worse since he came back from his injury, do, I would do,
1: say. I have a theory. Go on. I don't think he's fit. I don't think he's fully fit in any way. I think he's still got a problem with his ankle. That's my mm-hmm. feeling. Um, what was It the, makes sense because there the, are no other right backs. Right. What was the thing? Throw this out there, completely random. What was the first thing you noticed about Hector Bellerin when he broke into the team? What's the most obvious Qu- thing about him? Quick, quick. Yes. Now, what is the most obvious thing about Hector Bellerin at this moment in time? Hair. <laughs> Hair, okay. But also, he's being outpaced by players who have no business yeah. outpacing him. Think about the Hector Bellerin that chased back from the halfway line and made an incredible tackle to prevent a goal. Like, fucking Billy Wiz he was. Absolutely amazing pace. And now you look at him, and he looks like he's running through treacle. So what's happened? Have his muscles just fucking atrophied? No. Is it likely that he's playing with an injury that's preventing him uh, reaching his potential? Yes. That's what I think about Hector. Anyway. Uh,
0: I think that's very plausible. Or he really wants Arsene Wenger out. It's one of those two (laughs) things, isn't it? (laughs) Um, As for Mustafi, funny enough, I watched Valencia yesterday and I noticed that they replaced Mustafi uh, with Eliakim Mangala. Um, there's some sort of poetry about that, I guess, because he was another 35 million pounds signing for the Premier League, who, who didn't quite a cup of scratch. I, I think that I'm loath to come down completely harshly on Mustafi because I th- saw signs in the early part of the season that he could develop into a, a top defender. But when you look at the size of the fee, um, you know, for Arsene Wenger, a manager who loves extracting value for players, it's difficult to argue that he's been value for money. Certainly, that's fair to say.
1: Yeah, look, my my feeling on it is is that I I think his impact uh, at the start of the season was slightly overblown, in the sense that people were saying, "Well, he hasn't lost a game, and Arsenal's defence is a lot better than it was because we've got Mustafi." And I'm not sure that was true. I think defensively, we still had issues. And what's maybe different now is, certainly, he's not playing as well as he was, but. Uh, th- those defensive issues are being punished more regularly than they were in the first part of the season. I'm also loath to to really come down hard on individuals, especially players who are maybe in the first season with the club, like Granit Xhaka, like Mustafi, uh, who have come in and they're part of a team that is dysfunctional. I think it's it's a, it's a bit difficult to start pointing fingers at individuals. Um, at all the individuals anyway, when I think there's a, the, there's a bigger problem with the, the the team's collective efforts. You know, I look at somebody like Victor Moses at Chelsea, mm. who was a guy mm. who was... Where, where did he go? He went to West Ham on loan. Palace. He was from he Palace. He, was, he came from Wigan, didn't he? Wasn't?
0: Uh, yeah, oh. they signed him from Wigan. I think yeah. he'd been on, back on loan at Palace. He'd, he'd basically been a bit of a, a Premier League journeyman. He, yeah, loan yeah. spells at Liverpool, Stoke and West Ham
1: yeah so there you go not a player that many people would have considered uh, useful I guess for a team that was going to try and win the title and you look at what's happened to him under Antonio Conte at at Chelsea and the collective the collective difference he's made you know players look good in good teams and players Mm. can look bad in bad teams or teams that are that are struggling and I think as a team we're struggling and also individuals are struggling as well and that 's why I think there's also a good case to be made for a new manager in the sense that you know people think that you a know, new manager get in eight ten new players is not going to happen it's going to be more or less the same squad for a new manager, but you might get more out of these players with more organization with more defensive awareness with more Training ground drills, how to defend, how to how to how to move the ball from from midfield to attack, how to penetrate in the final third. If it looks like you've got players, you know, just if a message from the manager or the coach is getting through to the players, I think you get more from the players. So that that that's my feeling on on that guy.
0: Yeah, I mean. On the subject of Mustafi, this is kind of a related question, I guess. Mark Caney said, is it time to bring the club captain back into the side? Wenger has previously always trusted him. The centre-back pairing currently looks weak, and it might give us a bit of leadership back on the field.
1: Mm. Yeah, maybe, maybe. You know, there's a, another question here. Um, Richard Layton, who's at the Arsenal game. Uh, afterwards, Arsene Wenger said, we're in, in a unique bad moment, I think he said, because of the, the amount of games that we've lost. And Richard asks, yeah. uh, Arsene manger said it's a unique situation he's not, had to, he's not had before, so will he do something unique to change things? And you're looking at the team now and you're thinking, well, you've got to do something. You've got to do something more than just pick the same guys and giving them the chance to go out and make amends for the poor performance. You have to. You have to at this point. So, yeah, I don't know how much he can do really but I don't see what why not? Why not bring Sacker back into the side for a little bit? Let Mustafi sit out a few games. I don't see any
0: I mean the tricky thing about Murtasaker is I'm not even sure obviously he's been training for a few months now but I was convinced he would play Uh, in the cup game at home to Lincoln. I thought that was a great opportunity for him to come back in, but in the end, Mustafi played. Uh, I'm not even sure he's been involved with the under-23s, really. No. Like, you know, Danny Welbeck was given a lot of game time to get up to speed. It almost feels as if a decision's been taken on Mertsaka that, look, we'll just get you through the rest of the season, and then, you know, you'll have your pre-season and start next season proper. I mean, he was on the bench at the weekend, but so was Gabriel, and you almost suspect that if... Mesut Ozil had travelled maybe Mertzaka wouldn't have done so I I actually would love a fit per Mertzaka to come back into the side I think that would be really helpful but I just don't feel that he can possibly be up to speed with so little game time under his belt
1: Yeah that's a fair point as well but I think we're we're approaching a desperate times desperate measures kind of situation aren't we I mean what sort of a team is he going to be able to pick for the Manchester City game obviously we're hoping players go away on international duty and aren't injured and come back fit and healthy but you know he doesn't have a huge amount to work with over the next couple of weeks so maybe he might be inclined to use a couple of players who who uh, you know who've been around on the training ground for for that period of time but even even against West Brom you know starting Danny Welbeck up front when's the last time he did that still didn't work yeah that was
0: it was a curious one I mean when I saw the front three I thought it would be Alexis through the middle actually and well back out on the left and I probably would have preferred that just because I think Alexis gives you so much variety in that central position but um, yeah look I mean I'd love to see him try something radically different tactically you know a back three or whatever it might be but I guess an international break is kind of a nightmare time to try and implement that because you sometimes don't even get the players back until a day or two before the game
1: Mm. All right, have you got one more? Or?
0: I probably do. Uh, let me have a look. <laughs> <laughs> I probably do, but I don't want to. I don't know if I I want to do it. You know, it's sort of like they're all. Uh, they're oh, all- what about this diehard um, diehard onvhs? Who's at Diesel FW on Twitter says, "How about we all boycott the men's team for a bit and give our time, money, and support to the women's team?" There was some some good Arsenal news this
1: weekend. Yeah, blimey, what a win! Did they you see had. that scoreline? I saw the scoreline. Tell the people.
0: The Arsenal ladies team defeated their Tottenham counterparts by 10 goals to nil. Get in there. I know, absolutely extraordinary. I mean, double figures. That's, you know, imagine when they got to nine, then the fans must have been baying for a tenth. Ten is like, ten
1: is huge. Ten is extraordinary. I mean, ten nil. Ten nil. You know, if Tottenham finish above us this season for the first time in... In many years, we just reply ten nil. We, you know, we, our ladies beat your ladies ten nil. Nothing else matters. Yeah, that's it. Ten oh, nil.
0: I mean, you know, obviously the men's team are going to finish above us in the league this year, and that's awful. But but ten nil to do you, the women's do, team.
1: Do you think there's any chance that Spurs can still Spurs it, or are we uh, just not in a position to take advantage of their inevitable spursing?
0: they look less like Spurs than they ever have. That's what worries me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I feel like in recent... Over the past decade, both clubs have kind of had a capacity to kind of implode a bit you know we just basically we would be right near the top and then we would get a bit spursy but then we would rally and finish fourth (laughs) um and that they would be about fourth and then get about all spursy and finish about sixth uh and the problem is that now those positions are reversed and i i mean look we we have a game at white hart lane which means it's a chance to reduce the deficit Mm. significantly but i have no confidence in our capacity to go there and get a result,
1: hmm. I don't want to think about it.
0: It's yeah, it's really it's really shit that one because I feel like I mean we haven't really talked about the whole top four thing, but uh, you know we're we're not in it right now. And when I look at some of the teams ahead of us, they just seem so much more built to grind out results. You know, I think if I think of Manchester United and Spurs and Chelsea. Those are all teams that I just think ah, they just they've got a habit of getting the job done this season. Mm.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, look, you you kind of always had faith in Arsenal to be able to to have that late season rally, you know, to dig in and to like. You think back to that that time when, God, we lost at White Hart Lane, didn't we? And Vermaelen was terrible at centre half, and I think that's when he started. Murta and Kaczyński, yeah. In, M- in Munich, it was, yeah, yeah. And we we, we dropped Chesney yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly. No, we dropped. Was it Chesney or Fabianski?
0: Oh, he dropped someone. He dropped a keeper. Yeah,
1: I think it could have been Chesney actually, but Fabianski came in and then and then got injured, so Chesney came back in. But what happened was we we started grinding out results. I think we you know a couple of one nils and one two ones and stuff like that I can remember mm. a lot of games being quite unpleasant uh, to to sit I remember through a game at
0: QPR where we were like you know so defensive just sat back you know and like it was literally eight men behind the ball most of the time
1: yeah I remember quite a few of those and I think that was the season as well was that not the season where we ended the the season at West Brom when Arsene Wenger and Pat Rice were, you know, clinging onto each other, or Arsene Wenger was clinging to Pat Rice, you know, just the sheer terror of that. But you know, you you, you sort of had this faith in the team to be able to do something in the final stages of the season, and we did it more than once. Uh, and they would dig in and they get a, a run of good results. But it's very hard to look at this team and think that they're capable of doing it. And you look at the fixtures, and the fixtures are 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 quite scary actually, they really are. When you look at what we've got between now and the end of the season, Manchester City at home, we've got West Ham at home, Palace, Borough. um, We've got uh, Tottenham away. We've got Manchester United at home. We've got Stoke away. And uh, we've got Everton away. No, Everton at home on the final day of the season. So, you know, there's a game that could be hugely important as well. So, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it feels like it would be a huge achievement now, doesn't it, to finish in the top four?
0: Yeah, it would be massive, and it would require it would require several teams to kind of spur[s] it up. Really, <laughs> a couple of teams at least. You know, I, I for some reason Liverpool don't worry me too much. Um, I feel like we could finish above them, but it's we're now in a position where we're chasing Mourinho, and that's never really gone well for us Blah. in the past.
1: Blech. Blech. Yeah. All right, uh, a couple of uh, quick ones just before we finish. Uh, Jane Cavendish says, uh, I'll still go to the Arsenal every week, but any recommendation for a new sport to follow for a couple of years? In brackets, not golf. <laughs> <laughs> and Steve Moore, 4116, wants to know, I mean, 16, oh, can you recommend any other good hobbies to take up over a weekend?
0: I mean, honestly, you could just punch yourself in the face repeatedly. I think that would maybe be more fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, hobbies. I don't know. I think I'm going to have to get one. It's a worry, isn't it? Uh, I mean, drinking seems to have gone quite well for you this weekend.
1: <laughs> yeah. It hasn't changed the reality of anything, but... Uh, sure. Yeah. Passes the time. I don't know.
0: What uh, What could you do so that would be sure. less
1: infuriating than football? Pretty much anything, I guess.
0: Oh, yeah. I think you could just sort of go, you know, approach a wasp's nest naked. I mean, anything. <laughs> would be better
1: uh, yeah stick your cock in a wasp's nest
0: <laughs> yeah honestly yeah, yeah. um uh, I don't know I mean we'll keep watching it but I mean it's a fascinating soap opera at least I guess it is um,
1: it is that uh, and for another sport to follow given that we're heading towards the uh, the summer um, if, uh, if people haven't seen it, I'm sure many people will, all my, uh, Irish listeners will know this one, but, uh, the game of hurling is, is a very, uh, exciting and mental sport. It's basically yeah. a ball being smashed around an enormous pitch at high speed by guys with, with big sticks and they fucking lash each other out of it as well. Lots of scoring. Like you're going to get, you're going to see lots of scoring. No, like one nils or anything like that. Um, I, Ooh, hello. Ooh.
0: My doorbell. Your doorbell? Um, I, I better go and answer it. You better. Do you want to explain hurling while I do?
1: I think I just did. <laughs> okay, well, sorry, one sec. No, you go ahead then. you're
0: back sorry about that they were very insistent
1: yeah they were ringing a lot they were anyway it gave us a chance to use that uh, fun interval music that people enjoy yeah. so that, that would be my recommendation for somebody looking for a sport uh, hurling I don't know whether you're going to get it on the team oh you do I think Sky Sports have, uh, have some of the rights to, to hurling so that, that could be something to, uh, to keep your mind off things uh, for the next couple of years well, well, there you go.
0: Mm. bit hurling. Yeah, why not? Let's give it a go. I mean, give, 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 give. give it a hurl. Give it I can't even speak anymore because of Arsenal. Yeah. It's awful, isn't it?
1: It is. It is. Oh, ah, dear. Oh, well. Okay. Well, look, I think probably we should stop talking now because I don't know what else we can enough, say. It's been enough,
0: hasn't it? An hour and a half,
1: I think, we've been chatting for. Yeah. Lovely enough, anyway. Yeah. Good value um, for money, this podcast today. Not going to make is. anyone feel it's any better been, or anything, but... Uh, you know, it is It is what it is. And look, you there know... There might be some therapeutic benefit. Yeah. A problem shared is a problem halved and all that. I'm not sure mm. that applies in this case to football. We've been sharing our problems for a long time and <laughs> I don't feel any better.
0: No, what we need is, um, you know, a director of football and head of the academy so that the coaching staff can all share their problems. That would be a better structure. Exactly. Oh, Rather right. than Arsene Wenger carrying them all on his own. <sighs>
1: right well look we'll leave it there uh, thank you uh, as ever for listening if you've stuck with us all the way through this one um, a big podcasting thumbs up to you manly hugs all right. for
0: punishment as well yeah exactly
1: we for punishment indeed alright well look we'll, uh, we'll be back next week in the middle of an interlull to talk about whatever the hell is going on there probably Arsene Wenger's new seven year contract um but we'll, be, uh, we'll do that. I don't know what we're going to do this weekend, uh, if we're going to have a, a podcast this Friday, because there's, uh, there's, I don't know if we can talk about this or if I can talk about this again. Maybe, th- maybe some exciting things will happen between now maybe. and, uh, oh, maybe we can go and stick our mickeys in a wasp's nest and report back to a podcast on that. And, Ma- and it's live. And it's live. <laughs> Screams ahoy. All right. Uh, thanks, folks. Catch you on the next one. Bye-bye.